amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to a new video. Before we begin, I want to give a trigger warning for stories number one through three. All of those stories feature sexual assault, and story number four is more of just an assault story. But pretty much all of these stories are incredibly dark. So you've been warned. If you have a story of your own that you might want to share, you can send it at southerncannibal.com. All that being said, let's begin. And remember to always stay hungry. Hello everyone. I'm sure by now everyone is caught up with watching the new Dahmer series on Netflix. I personally didn't know any real details about Jeffrey Dahmer until this show. After each episode, I realized Dahmer wasn't this crazy genius serial killer, but instead, just some sick fuck that got lucky with every murder, because no one, especially the police, took any of the signs or calls serious enough to catch him for the first murders. To think that he could have been stopped early on but wasn't, due to police negligence, is something that will never sit right with me. But that's not what I'm writing about. This series reminded me about a time in my life where I unknowingly dated a literal serial psychopath. I can't go as far as to call him a murderer because he didn't murder anybody. Successfully, that is. For protection, I'm changing names and leaving out a few details to not give away my identity. I was 22 when I met Kevin. He was older than me. I always dated men a bit older than me, but Kevin was 44 when we met. I know what you're thinking. No, he wasn't a sugar daddy ordeal. I met him through a friend whose job he frequented, and he most certainly didn't look 44. He was tall, fit, wore stylish clothes, super handsome. The whole nine yards. He looked 36 to 38 at most, which is still a big gap, but I don't mind a gap. Anyway, she gave him my info, and he was always very kind, handsome, and vented to my friend about wanting to date after his divorce, but that he didn't know how to start. My friend gave me the heads up, and although I was annoyed, after I saw what he looked like in a photo, I wasn't upset anymore. He was sweet, had a good humor to him, and overall, had an inviting personality to him. So we arranged a date, after talking for a week or two. He asked me to drive over and meet him at his house, and he'll drive me to the restaurant. I know, seems sketchy, but I figured he'd be stupid to try anything and I have my location on, and I let a few friends know what was going on, and with who in case something were to happen. So I drove to an incredibly nice neighborhood and find his house. All I can say is wow. 
He then greets me and says, Come inside. I'll pull out the car right now. I come inside and I wait on him to bring the car out of the garage and pass the truck on the driveway. And he then pulls out a supercar. I'm talking about a certain model that's going to put you back 150000 at least. Shocked, because I wasn't expecting to be getting into that car, he notices and says, I know it's a lot, but I never have an excuse to drive it, so I figured tonight would be a good night to bring it out. I laugh a bit, and we're off on our date. We get to the restaurant he made reservations at, and we're getting stares the second we walked in. Weird, I thought, but I guess we look like an odd couple, so I leave it be. The whole dinner, he's genuinely invested in our dialogue, and he seems really interested in what I have to say. He speaks so gently, and is entirely focused and fixated on me. He's very respectful, isn't the slightest creepy or pervy, and overall, it's just great at conversation. About an hour and a half passes, and he starts to tell me about himself a bit further, and starts to open up about his ex-wife. He told me he ended his relationship just under the 8 month mark. It was a 90 day fiance situation where he fell in love with a woman from another country that he met on a spiritual yoga retreat and that apparently it didn't work out after he married a stranger after spending a month together on vacation. Big shocker there. Apparently she was running him out of a ton of money and was always starting fights and just realized that they didn't really have much in common. So she ended up going back home after he had paid thousands of dollars in divorce paperwork. I didn't really know how to take that, but the honesty made me trust him a bit. The best way I could describe this man was a complete charmer, to give some perspective. So we finish up and we go back to his house for a glass of wine. Immediately going inside past the entrance, I notice cameras everywhere. In the corner of every room. Weird, but I figured it's for extra protection and security. He pours up a glass, and he's basically drunk after two more glasses, and he knocks out on the couch right next to me. Completely confused and weirded out, I silently exit and go home, and immediately tell my friend and laugh it off, and then go to bed. I wake up to a ton of texts from Kevin, apologizing and telling me how embarrassed and shocked that happened and that he really wants to redeem himself for falling asleep on me like that. I said it's okay, and I genuinely felt the embarrassment through the screen. We've all had those days. I know having one too many drinks and embarrassing yourself feels terrible when you're sober. Well, a day later, we go on our date. Same routine. Once we finish dinner, we go back to his place to talk, away from a crowded bar. We're maybe about three drinks in, so relatively sober. And out of nowhere, he asks, So, what are you into? And I then ask in what reference. Then he proceeds to tell me physically, What are you into in a man? Any kinks? If it isn't obvious by now, I like the daddy kink, and just dominance in a man. Physically, financially, emotionally etc. And I told him it's mostly due to my own actual daddy issues. And he then excuses himself while he goes to get something. He comes back from the kitchen 
and brings out a huge leather suitcase situation. Before I could even ask, he brings out chains and whips and paddles of all sort. This is what I like, he says. My face turns a bit pink. I was not expecting that at all. Such a sweet, wholesome yogi likes whips and chains. All right, I'm into it. It's the best of both worlds. So he goes on to tell me that if I wanted this relationship to go any further, I would have to sign three legal documents. I thought, okay, considering his work, I understand why I would want an NDA, but what could the other two be? It's not like I'm not familiar with dating a man up there per se. This isn't my first rodeo or first NDA. But when I asked what the other forms were, he said both were consent forms and a binding document that said I can't sue or charge him for anything that was done in the bedroom. I kind of have a blank stare at this point because I didn't know what to say right at this moment. So he begins to explain how these contracts are more for my protection than his. We both look at the clock and we realize it's late and we agree to talk about this further another time. So I give him a hug and then I go home. The entire drive, I just played the last hour of our date over and over in my head. The suitcase, the body language, the look in his eyes when he brought up the contracts. Just all of it was incredibly sinister. A feeling I never got from him. So me being me, I do a background check. And I never thought I would find out what I did about this man. Severe trigger warning. Listen at your own discretion. I'm unaware of his serious and casual relationships, but I do know he was married twice and divorced twice. His first marriage lasted several years. I don't know the exact number or timeline, but his most recent second marriage lasted only a few months, including the engagement period, as this was the wife on the spousal visa. The first documents I find on this man are his traffic records. Cool. Everyone has gotten a ticket. No big deal. But he got enough DUIs and DWIs to completely suspend his license for a couple of years. So off that discovery, I also can guess he has a drinking problem on his hands. After the never-ending traffic records, I found several of his socials and company website. So far pretty normal. Then we get to the court documents. Every single trial, hearing, court case, charges, everything. I don't even know where to start. I guess I'll start with the lighter stuff. If you could even call it that. He used to tie his ex-wife up with silk robes and bondage. But not for consensual kinky bedroom play. That's how we started off at first, sure. But he'd leave her there tied up, defenseless, and he would watch her struggle for hours. He had her tied up for so long one time that she had severe bruises and bloody blisters on her hands and ankles and was left severely dehydrated. He's sick. I won't use the R word as I'm sensitive to it, and there's no need to go into detail with just how many times or severity of it. But yes, he assaulted his wife and ex several times. At this point, I feel myself going pale. I was just with this man, in his home. We were alone. It was dark. 
he could have easily overpowered me. The worst part about this was that I was barely on the second page. There were so many pages of detailed descriptions of all the terrible things this man would do to these women. According to the records, he had her email, social media accounts, and actual cell phone tapped. The front-facing camera on her Android was bugged to turn on and off at his disclosure. How the fuck did he even manage to do that? Of course, the possessiveness didn't end there. He had her location tracked, her phone and her car, you guessed it, bugged. He would show up at her job, girls' dinners, family homes, both during and after the relationship ended. He recorded a lot of their intimate moments and had a tremendous number of his wife's personal photos. Some consensual, most, however, were not. After a fight between them broke out, he leaked an intimate photo of them on his and her socials. If said social side deleted the image after violating the terms and agreement or was reported, he would simply just re-upload until a threat of permanent account termination. And as if that wasn't already disgusting and evil enough, he went as far as to mail intimate Polaroid pictures of his wife to her mother and father, attempting to taint the image of their own daughter. What kind of sick fuck would do that to their own in-laws? I sort of paused after reading that. I can't imagine what her parents must have felt to have their son-in-law betray their daughter and their trust like that. God, and that wasn't even the worst part. As I mentioned earlier, he had his license suspended and several DUIs and DWIs. As a result, he would report regularly to a parole officer. However, he wasn't on parole because of the DWIs. He was on parole because of the attempted murder of his ex-girlfriend. Yes, attempted murder, and it wouldn't be long until he attempted the same with his ex-wife. I won't go into detail. I don't want to relive it, and I don't want to give away any details. But just know she was very lucky the neighbors got involved. There is a restraining order and protective order against Kevin by his exes and every member of their family. From the document alone, I don't know how they're doing honestly. I know the ex-wife went back to her home country, that his ex-wife started her life over, and the other girlfriends, I have no clue. Crazy enough, this asshole didn't serve almost any jail or prison time. I know he paid a lot in damages, and I know his lawyer wasn't cheap. He had to do a lot of community service, take several behavioral courses, and I know he served behind bars for a few months throughout the years. However, I don't think he was punished enough. I don't think he suffered enough. I don't think he ever realized the severity and impact of his actions. He permanently ruined the lives of these women, and he just got a slap on the wrist for it. He's still driving the dream car, living in the dream house, and still somehow managed to keep the dream job. And these women, God, I really hope these women are doing okay now. One thought kept repeating over and over in my head was that I was inside this man's home. I was alone. I was three feet away from living out the trauma of some of his exes. I thought he was charming. I thought he was wonderful. He was and still is a monster. I'm so thankful nothing happened and we didn't even share a kiss together. God was really watching over me. I'll forever be in debt for his protection from this man.
After reading over the last few pages of the court documents, I'm nauseous, a little lightheaded, and pretty much speechless. I didn't know what to think, what to feel. Accepting that as my reality versus some story that I read on Reddit left me shocked. I think I'll make a part two to this story as I'm getting pretty tired and I can only handle talking about this story so much to an extent. I cut all contact with him when ghost and he didn't really bother me much after but we did run into each other at the supermarket once and I felt like I was paralyzed as we locked eyes. A monster. No crazy fictional beast or ghost or evil spirit. No, just an everyday guy that was capable of unleashing real evil onto this earth. A man so sick and demented, he perfected being a master manipulator and charmer. I pray for the safety and health of those women from his past, and I pray Kevin gets what he deserves in this life. Thank you to everyone out there listening, and be careful. You never know who the person standing in front of you is truly capable of. Alright, so summer 2021, I had been dating this guy that I met on Facebook, and we were dating for a few months. There were so many red flags, and so I broke things off. I will tell the truth and say that I was shitty, because I just snapped in a moment and broke up with him over a text. So obviously, he didn't take it well. He waited until the weekend, and without even texting or calling, he showed up at my house. He said that he just wanted to talk about things, so I let him in. We argued a little bit here and there, but I guess he felt like we were going to get back together, but I knew I for sure wasn't. One of the red flags that I broke up with him over was just how pushy he was about sex. He would basically try and force himself on me every chance he got, so he would go from crying and screaming to arguing trying to be sweet and caressing my hair and trying to have sex. It was bizarre. I told him he needed to leave. Trying to get him out of my house went from 9pm all the way until 2am. He refused to leave. Now we get to the creepy parts. He sat down in my rocking chair and grabbed my waist, burying his face into my stomach, begging me not to leave. I pry myself away from him and I tell him no and to leave and he begins punching himself repeatedly on the side of his face and head while repeatedly yelling the word stupid. Another hour passed and I finally got him out of my house and I immediately locked the door so that he couldn't come back in. Once he realized he was locked out, he began sobbing so loudly and creepily right outside of my door. He got in his car and he took out a razor blade and started slicing his thigh open over and over again. Then he stumbled back on my porch with blood all over his leg, telling me that if I gave him some bandages to clean up with, he will leave. I grabbed the biggest knife from my knife block, and I waited for him to go back to his car, and I flung open the door, and then I threw the stuff he wanted outside, and I slammed the locked door and armed my alarm system again, and then went and locked myself in my room. For another hour and a half, he sat on my porch sobbing creepily until he finally left. I know I should have called the police, but he had previous run-ins with the law 
and I just felt sorry, and I didn't want to get him into any more trouble. But yeah, that shit was creepy. The story contains triggers for sexual assault, EDS, and abuse. I want to start this story by saying that I've come out of the closet since this relationship, and I've started therapy. I now talk to people who have gone through these things to help them. I met this man who I will call Jay in college. Jay and I quickly became friends and soon became a couple after he had helped me with a problem that I was having in a prior relationship. Things moved very quickly, and as a dumb 18-year-old, I was so excited to have it do so. I really wanted to get married and all that. It was silly of me thinking that things would turn out well when you go from first meeting someone to then getting engaged in two weeks. The first few months were fine. He was kind and treated me so well that I thought I had found a Prince Charming. Unfortunately, I had found the closest thing to hell I had ever experienced. Soon, he began to subtly control everything that I did. He would suggest what clothes I should wear, what food I should eat, which was never healthy by the way, and what I should do with my free time. The first time he showed me his true colors when I was doing homework, and he insisted that I go to a club meeting with him even though I was working on homework. He slammed my laptop shut on my fingers and told me that I should be going to the meeting with him. It really scared me, but I didn't do anything because I am a naturally timid person where my safety is concerned. So I went to the club meeting, obviously. After that, things just got worse. It was like he had smelled blood and wanted more. When he wanted sex, we had sex even if I wasn't interested. When he wanted to eat, we ate even if I wasn't hungry. If he liked clothing, I wore it even if I hated it. It was all his way or no way. At one point when I was working, I had asked for a very specific meal to eat because I was actually in the process of trying to shed the extra pounds that his eating habits for me had put on me. He brought me something completely different and my boss had asked him if he was trying to make me fat. He straight up said yes because no one else would want me if I were fat. That still sticks with me today, and it even led to my binge eating disorder. After three years, I finally tried to break up with him. It did not go well. He tried to strangle me when he came to pick up a few things left in my home. After that, we got back together, and that one incident opened up more physical abuse and sexual assault. If I ever said no to sex, I would get hit, and it would happen anyway. I eventually learned to just act and take it. Whenever I would say no to other things, he would give me a warning look, especially if we were around people, so I would know not to keep going or there would be trouble for me. Occasionally, he would lock me in closets when he really wanted to punish me. The light switches were outside the closets, and I'm scared of the dark. All of this was piled onto the emotional and mental abuse that he put me through by keeping me fat and ensuring that I looked as unappealing to other men as possible. I would be punished even if he thought another man or woman looked at me or even spoke to me in various ways. The final straw was when one night, 
He forced me to drink far too much and had his way with me in a way that had always been a hard limit for me, that even though he was abusive, he had always respected. I was tied up, restrained, and gagged, so there was nothing I could do but cry. With the help of my now best friend, I was finally able to leave him and never go back. I never went to the police with anything that happened to me because I had no proof, and I was terrified that no one would believe me. I had been beaten down for so long that I had nothing. I have since gotten into therapy for my anxiety, depression, and PTSD. I am also finally able to talk about the things that happened to me in the hope that it will help someone else. Please, if you or someone you know is in an abusive situation, do something. It can be hard and scary to get out of, but you do have the strength to save yourself or someone else. Watch for your red flags and try to stop it before it starts. Stay safe out there. You're going to want to buckle up for this one. I'm a female, so I'll call myself Kim. I dated a guy about 10 years ago, and I'll call him Max. We were both in our early 20s, and we were only together for about six months. Mutual friends had warned me of his overbearing, possessive, manipulative personality, but he had never showed that side to me. Like an idiot, I didn't listen to them. There were occasions when we would go out to a club, and if anyone even looked my way, he'd bow up and grab my hand, or he'd put his arm around me, marking his territory per se. I didn't mind it since I really can't stand to be hit on by random people anyways. Well, he started becoming very needy for my attention, and I never got a day off of seeing him, nor feeling guilty because I'd tell him I just wanted to be alone for the night. I'm very independent, and I like my own space, which really began bothering him about eight months into our relationship. Now, here's the part that I literally still have nightmares about. I have a best friend from the 6th grade, who I'll call Travis. We have always been super close, and our families often did things together as well. He was an only child, and he kind of looked at me like a sister. I knew from very early on, before he even admitted it, that he was gay. I was even there when he told his parents our 10th grade year. Well, fast forward, he ended up going away for college while I stayed in our hometown. He ended up getting married to his partner, and I was his best groom's woman. I even made them godparents to my daughter. Anyways, we had a very close mutual friend that tragically passed away. By this time, I'm dating Max. I was very upset about my loss, and I nicely explained that I didn't want his company, and I didn't want to talk or text. My best friend flew out in last minute and decided to stay with me at my house because it got really late. And the next morning was the funeral service. We have always slept together. Even in our high school days, when both sets of our parents knew I wasn't quite his type. It was time for bed, and we crawled into mine. No big deal. I keep my room very dark, and it's in the back of my house, which was pretty large and far from the front door. I didn't bother telling Max because I was tired 
and my best hand to fly back home mere hours after the service. I don't know how much time had passed, but I could feel something stroking my face. All I can see is a bright light. Then, I hear a familiar voice then saying, You know, I could kill you both right now, and no one would even know I was ever here. It was Max. He was holding a gun and said, I see now why you've been avoiding me, you dumb fucking slut. He even asked my friend if he likes sleeping with other people's women. I told him to shut up and that this was my best friend that I often spoke about. He of course didn't believe me. My friend who is 5 foot 2, maybe 120 pounds, while Max lived in the gym and was about 6 feet solid muscle, said, Man, you have no idea what you're talking about. I'm gay and married. Max again didn't believe it. Thinking fast, I told him that if he looked at Travis' cell phone, that he'd see pics and texts between him and his husband. He walked around to where Travis was and snatched his phone off the nightstand. Of course, he finally realized we were telling the truth. He threw the phone across the room and said in a very condescending tone, You being gay just saved both of your lives. Except he didn't say gay. He used the homophobic slur beginning with F. I told him to get the fuck out of my house, and he then came over to me. At this point, I was standing in my bedroom door with the light on, glaring at him and yelling at him to leave. As he walked by me to leave, he kissed on my neck while holding the back of my head tightly, and he then said, You know, it really comes in handy that my uncle is a locksmith. Holding the gun towards me and pretending to shoot, only saying, Pow! and laughed all the way out of my house. Needless to say, I got a restraining order, which he actually broke several times and was sent to jail. After he got out, he actually left me alone and he then moved on to his next girlfriend. As of today, Max is in a high security prison on attempted murder, multiple assault with a dangerous weapon charges, and assault on a police officer, which also landed that officer in the hospital, and carrying an unregistered firearm not to mention the drugs they found on him. I consider myself very lucky to not have been one of his victims. I should have listened to my friends, and I hope he rots in prison right where he belongs. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. 
Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.